Thank you, Pastor Dex. <laughs> so good to see everyone here. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, thank you, Pastor Dex. I forgot my water already. I've been on stage a few times before, but I have to say this time, I'm just so happy to see everyone here. Everyone's smiling. Everyone giving me a best smile. Okay, that's good. That's not bad. That's not bad. Um, my name is Gershom, if you don't know. And if you don't know how to pronounce Gershom, you can always call me Gersh. If you still don't know how to call me Gersh, you can call me G. Though nobody calls me G, but you can be the first one, okay? Again, I want to welcome you to TNT. Uh, TNT. See, <laughs> give me a second. Give me a second. See, I'm, I'm one of the youth leaders at TNT. We've got some of the youths in the house. If you guys in the house, put your hands up. Yeah. We've got some teens in the house. And we're so used to just being in TNT, but this is the first time in Orcas Church where I'm speaking to you guys. I'm a little bit nervous, but I'm so excited to give the word today. I want to welcome everyone here to Orcas Church, especially if it's your very first time or very few first times. We here at Orcas Church want to make sure that everyone feels welcome. Who knows our vision for the church? It's a home for all, made new for its purpose. Thanks. Sorry, I said it as you were saying it as well. <laughs> it's a home for all, made new for his purpose. I believe everyone here is welcome in this home. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've come from, no matter what you've gone through, this is a home that you can belong in. If you're not part of an Oikos, please join one. I really encourage you because this is a place that we can grow together. And if you don't know, Oikos Church has actually only been around for just over seven months just over seven months. And look at this. Look at everyone around you. Everyone look to your left and look to your right. These are all the people here. In just seven months, we've had such an amazing team, amazing leadership team. In seven months, we got Pastor Dex. We got Pastor Dex who's now a father. That's awesome, Pastor Dex. And we see all the changes that's going through in this church. Every week we come into this place and we see God moving. We see God's, God's love is just pouring out over this place. We see the lives being changed and impacted. And I'm always leaving this place going, man, God is amazing. God is truly amazing in just seven months. But have you ever wondered how long has a church been around for? Have you ever wondered like the church church, the early church and to the church where it is now, how long has it been around for? Because there was a time when church actually never existed. The church only started when Jesus ascended into heaven and he basically made that commandment to go forth and make disciples. It's been 2000 years since then. Now compare that to seven months where we are right now. That's a big difference, isn't it? 2,000 years ago. But the truth is, the leaders here at Oikos Church, when we started this church, when we tried to plan it and, and uh, do all the planning stages, there was a lot of struggles and trials that we faced. But none of that would compare to the early church. You see, the early church, you would see that they faced a lot of persecution. If you read the book of Acts, it was persecution after persecution. And many of the followers of Christ, they were bold, true believers, but they would face physical persecution and they would face a lot of social alienation. We're quite lucky here in Australia, actually, because in Australia, we don't really face the physical persecution in the church. Well, at least we don't see it that often, but we do face the social alienation. Isn't that true? Has anyone ever been uh, shunned from work or even just been looked at differently just because they're a Christian or talk about the gospel? Yeah. yeah, yeah, we have experienced that before. And to be honest, this is sad to see sometimes because it kind of discourages us to go, oh, I really don't want to speak about the gospel anymore. It kills our ability to, to share the gospel. But the truth is, when the church started, the early church started, they didn't care about the physical persecutions. They didn't care about the social alienation. They could go out there, they could speak the gospel, and no matter what was thrown at them, they would speak more and more and more truth. Yeah. And today in this day and age, that's so encouraging to see if we do see that. But unfortunately, we don't really see that everywhere we go. 
But that's why today as Christians, we've got to be just as bold. We've got to work with the Holy Spirit within us to be just as bold about proclaiming the gospel. Yeah. That's one prominent feature that you see in the early church. So the Holy Spirit was speaking to every single person and was empowering them to be bold and speaking the truth. If we look at the book of Acts, we get to see a glimpse of all the activities that the disciples of Jesus conducted and the persecutions that they faced. In our Bible reading today, in Acts chapter 4, we get to see the church just starting. Now just remember, the church is at its best a few weeks old. So there's not a formal place that they met at. There's about 3,000 believers at this point in time. And they didn't have like a Brentwood that they could meet in. They didn't have like a nice building or a nice place they could be, um, talk in. And there's 3,000 people. So to talk to these amount of people, the best place to do that was in the temple courtyards. So they would meet in the temple courtyards and, and talk about Jesus and the gospel. And then Acts chapter 3 and 4 records a time of one of these gatherings. So Peter and John, the disciples of Jesus, they're walking into the temple courtyards and they see a lame beggar in front of the temple courtyards. He's begging and if not, if he's been there for about a few years now, if not decades, and Peter goes up to him, heals him, and everybody, everyone's watching this and is going, oh wow, wow, this, this person's being healed. They're filled with wonder and amazement because this person, I've seen this person lame for so many years, if not decades, is now being healed. And Peter and John go into the temple courtyards then to preach the second greatest sermon that we find in the book of Acts. He starts to preach about repenting, repenting, believe in Jesus because he died on the cross for our sins, that if you believed in him, if you put your faith in him, that you would be saved. And thousands of people believed. Thousands of people believed. And afterwards they had fellowship, they were talking to the crowd, talking to the people, and this is where we are now in Acts chapter 4, verse 1. But before we go in, let's all pray before we start. God, we thank you for the time that we have together. We thank you, Lord, that you're speaking to us this evening, that your word is speaking life and truth, God. We pray, Lord, that you'd speak through me, Lord, and just use whatever you need necessary, Lord, to, to get your message out, Father. Don't let any of my thoughts, any of my own agendas get in the way of your, what you're going to do tonight, God. We surrender all that we are into your hands, and the message tonight is yours. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we pray. Amen. 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 All right, let's go to Acts chapter 4, verse 1. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. So they were talking to thousands of people, thousands of people. And the Sadducees heard this, they saw it, and they were so annoyed. The text actually says they were greatly disturbed. Now, we read greatly disturbed, and we're just like, oh, okay, they just didn't like it a bit. Oh, it's just a bit uncomfortable. But nah, the greatly disturbed is only used one other time in the book of Acts. And that's the time when a woman was filled with the Holy, uh, not the Holy Spirit, was filled with an evil spirit. <laughs> that's just, I don't want to mix that up. It was filled with the, the evil spirit and was possessed. And the reaction that, Peter, uh, that Paul was giving was described as greatly disturbed. This is the great disturbance that they were feeling. Now, to give a better idea of what that meant, um, who knows what muck-up day is at school? Year 12 muck-up day? Yeah, we, okay, we've got a few hands in that air. Um, when I was in year 11, uh, the year 12, they would usually, who do, people that don't know who, what muck-up day is, it's basically the last day of school, and the year 12s would leave their mark at school by, you know, I don't know, dressing funky or like putting post-it notes on the lockers or like maybe they might like take out the bins and put on the floor. That's a little bit extreme. But they, they tried to leave their mark. They tried to leave their mark. And in one year, I was in year 11, though it wasn't my year, but they took away too far. 
You know what they did? They smashed every single window of the school, and it cost the school thousands and thousands of dollars. I came to school that day, going, "Whoa, what is going on? Oh, I had all the windows smashed, and then you know they're just smashing all of them." And when the teachers found out about this, when everyone found out about this, everyone was greatly disturbed because it's no longer just a muck up day. It's not just a, a fun thing anymore or a funny thing anymore. It's gone too far. Everyone was just greatly disturbed by why this was happening, and this is exactly the same response that the Sadducees had. They were greatly disturbed by what Peter and John were doing. But why, why would you be so greatly disturbed by some people just talking about Jesus? Well, first of all, they were teaching in the temple courtyards. This was their courtyards. This was the Sadducees' courtyards. Nobody preaches in the Sadducees' courtyards, but. The Sadducees, but they were coming there. They were preaching. They were teaching about Jesus, and they weren't qualified. They weren't trained. They had no permission, but they were speaking about all these things about Jesus. And on top of that, the message was all about Jesus. See, the Sadducees had already condemned Jesus as an imposter of God. They were happy that he was crucified. They didn't even believe in the resurrection. And the fact that Peter and John were going, "This guy resurrected from the dead. He died for your sins." That just agitated them even, even more. It added to their great disturbance. If you're taking note, no, notes. If you're taking notes tonight, my first note is this: Under the face of persecution, submit to God, because God opens the doors for you. He provides the opportunities for you to face persecution and bring out the glory of God. In verse three, we read. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who had heard the message believed. So the number of men who believed grew to about five thousand. Here we get to see persecution begin for the very first time. They were put into jail, and they were arrested. But don't miss the fact that even though all of this was happening, thousands of people had already received the word and had believed. How crazy is that? Thousands had already received and believed under the face of persecution. You submit to God, and He'll provide the opportunities for His purposes to bring out His glory. And that is something that we got to remember, because when we face persecution as well, there's always a reason behind it, and it's all for His glory. It's all for His glory. See, the Bible says there's five thousand people now in the church. In fact, it says five thousand men, but it doesn't actually include women and children. See, how many people would you say is in this place? Tonight, a rough guess. <laughs> maybe, maybe give me a number. <laughs> maybe, sir. Five thousand. Yeah, that's very positive. I like that. I like that. <laughs> But I, maybe, maybe there's about sixty people here tonight. Sixty, sixty-five, maybe sixty, seventy people. So, you're sharing. You give me a number. What is that? There's eighty people in this place. Wow, that's awesome. I can't count properly. There's eighty people. So, if we say about half of these people here are men, then we'd officially record there's forty people here. We would say there was 40 people tonight at Oikos Church. Obviously, we don't do that with the attendance. We say there's 80 people, but there's 40 people tonight. So when we read this text and we see 5,000 men believed, we can almost believe that there's more than 5,000, close to 10,000, if not more. So the early church now was 3,000, and now it's over 10,000, over just one sermon. And they all, what did they have to do to get that? Just be persecuted, get arrested, and thrown into jail. But look at the impact that it's making, the lives that it's changing. That's amazing. That's amazing. And we continue in verse five to see more persecution continues. So the next day, this is after they were thrown into jail. The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. And as the high priest was there, and so was Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest family, 
They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? You see, this whole time, Peter and John, their whole life's mission, their whole message was to preach the gospel. They want everybody in the world to know about it, including the Sadducees, including the high priest. But the problem was they didn't have that opportunity to do that. It would take them to be persecuted. It would take them to be arrested, put into jail, and tried in front of a crowd and questioned. And that is the opportunity to speak the gospel. But I'm going to go into that a little bit later. Let's go into the list of people that was actually there to just get an appreciation of how intimidating this courtroom was. So first of all, you got the temple guard. Now, the temple guard was basically like the, the, the police He was head of security, looking after of every, everything. So he could arrest you, he could hit you, or whatever he wants to do, because he's the police. I don't know if we do that here, but I'm sure they don't. But <laughs> the police, they could do whatever they want. They, was, they were the highest authority. Then after that, you got the Sadducees. They were a religious group who ran the temple operations. And after that, you got the high priest family. You got Annas, Caiaphas, Alexander, and John. And basically, these are a whole bunch of people in high authority. That's all you got to remember. There's a lot of high authority here. And you've got all the reason to be intimidated to be in front of them, especially if you're in a courtroom and they're all questioning you and accusing you of doing something wrong. Just imagine how intimidating that is. A few years ago, um, I was in a courtroom, uh, not, not as a convicted felon or anything <laughs> like that, just to clarify. I was, I was in a courtroom for jury, jury duty. And um, everyone was, was, was looking at me. There was, there was the judge, there was the there was policemen, there was lawyers, there was everyone. It was so intense and everyone was looking at me because I fell asleep in the courtroom. <laughs> it, it happens. Who's done jury duty before? Yeah, we've got some people. Anyone going to do jury duty soon? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, Phil, you, I, I saw some, something about that. So. But it, it's so intense and so boring. <laughs> so boring. But there are moments where you just pay attention so, so closely. Like when the defendant is trying to explain why he did what he did, everyone is listening so carefully. Because if he says something wrong, the accused would just go up to them, uh, sorry, the uh, prosecutor would just go up to them and use their words against them. So you have to be very careful with the words that you're going to use. You could almost hear anything that they would say, anything they would do, their body language, everything they would look at. It was so intense. I don't know why I fell asleep, but it was so <laughs> intense. Actually, I got in trouble as well. They put, put us back in the courtroom and then they told me off and the judge actually walked in and talked to me. But that's, a, that's another story. That's another story. But it was so intense. Now imagine Peter and John before all these high authorities questioning them. Like he would have to be very careful what he's going to say next, right? Because he could say something really wrong and he could just be, get beaten up, flogged. They had the old authority to do that. But now you get to see Peter speak so boldly and claim, proclaim the gospel. And this is my second point. Be filled with the Holy Spirit and rely on him. Yeah. Rely on the Holy Spirit. In verse 8, it says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people. Don't miss the fact that Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit before he even said anything else. It wasn't by his own strength. It was by the Holy Spirit. See, under persecution, you submit to God. You know that he has a plan, and you, and you want to go into that plan. But it, oftentimes, you can't do it with your own strength. In fact, you can't do it with your own strength. You need to rely on the Holy Spirit to speak. And that's exactly what Peter did. He was filled with the Holy Spirit And then he started to speak. He spoke so boldly. And what did he say? In verse 9, this is where it gets really good. 
We are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed. Then know this, you of all people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. That was Peter's message. He said that in a courtroom full of people. He was just boldly proclaiming the gospel. He was submitting to God. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. And this is my third point. He was boldly presenting the gospel. You see, under persecution, you just got to know that God is having a plan. He has a purpose under all of this. And He is with you. You are filled with the Holy Spirit. And then now all you got to do is just boldly proclaim the gospel. Boldly proclaim the gospel. See, what Peter said was direct, unfiltered truth. And don't forget who he's talking to. He's not talking to just some random people on the street. He's not talking to just some unbelievers where you can just mess up your words and be like, oh, sorry, I'll just take that back. He's talking to some real authority in the house. And if he said something wrong, man, they would just say, oh, no, no, you're going over there. I'm going to beat you up right now. They could say, <laughs> that's what I'm imagining the Sadducees to be like. But if he had said something wrong, they could have done anything to make it worse. They could have persecuted them even more. But what does he choose to do? He chooses to proclaim the gospel boldly. See, um, if I was uh, in this position, I'd be so quick to defend myself. In fact, I think most people would be. Uh, it reminds me of this time when I was in a car ride with one of the leaders in this church. Uh, I won't mention the name. Actually, I will. It's Andre. <laughs> we were... We were on this car ride, and if you remember, Andre, we were going to East Perth, and um, you were on your phone texting and driving, and sorry, sorry, we're not, we're not trying to accuse Andre today. It's not about accusing Andre today. Sorry, I should have left your name out in this one, but we were, we were on the car, in the car, not on the car, in the car, <laughs> and you were texting and driving, and you're looking at your maps and so on, and I'm like, Andre, I don't know if you should be doing that, and I think your comment was like, ah, Dory, I can do this, I can do whatever I want. And surely enough, a police person, policeman came over and pulled him over. And I'm just like, oh, Andre, see, this is it. This is it. This is it. I'm just sitting there. I'm just going, this is it. And the policeman goes, excuse me, sir, um, do you know what you were doing? He's with his phone. Uh, uh, and he was so quick. Sorry, I'm not trying to beat on Andre. I'm not, this is just an example. But it actually did happen, though. He, he was so quick to defend himself. Sir, I'm so sorry. I was just in a rush. I had, to, I had to do the maps and I really didn't know what I was going and I couldn't really see because I was looking at the maps and then please, well, that's the point. That's why you don't drive and text at the same time. And Andre is just trying to defend himself over and over again and surely enough, he gets his ticket. And we drive off and I'm just going like, you should have listened to me, eh? You should have listened to me. But here's the point. Here's the point. If I was in the courtroom and I was Peter and John, I'd be so quick to defend myself just like Andre. I'd be so quick. If they said, hey, why were you preaching? Why were you doing all these things? Oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't know you were there. I, I was just talking to my friend. I didn't realize you were listening. I didn't realize thousands of people were here. I'd be giving all the excuses in the book because I just didn't, I just wanted to defend myself. I just wanted to defend myself. But that's not what Peter did. That is the exact opposite of what Peter did. You know Why? Because he was so convinced of the truth. He was so convinced that this message, everybody had to hear it. Yeah. Everybody, including the Sadducees, including the high priest. This was a message for everyone. Yeah. That's why I didn't stop him from boldly proclaiming. 
the truth. You see, under persecution, not only will the Holy Spirit fill you up and direct you, but God will open the doors for you. And I've spoken that, about that already. But let's think for a moment. Peter and John, the whole life's mission right now is to get the gospel out there to every single person. What's the best way that they can do that? Would it be to just write a note and be like, hey guys, put it under the temple courtroom door, slide it under, Jesus loves you, XOXO, like do you believe in him? I don't think that would work. I don't think they could just wait outside the temple court gates and wait to just bump into them and just talk and be like, hey, by the way, have you heard of this guy, Jesus? You persecuted him and you killed him, but, but he died for your sins. Like, it's not that easy. But what did it take? It took them to be arrested. It took them to be persecuted. It took them to be tried in front of a whole bunch of people and questioned to provide this perfect opportunity to speak the gospel. And the question they ask, man, this is a question that you would want people to ask you if you wanted to proclaim the gospel. The question they asked was, where were my notes? By what power and what name do you do this? What a brilliant question. If you want to talk about Jesus, if you want to talk about everything that he's done, how powerful he is, who he is, you want people to ask, how can you do this? How can you do this? And that's exactly what they did. By what power and what name did you do this? In what other setting would they be listening intently, listening to everything they were about to say because they had just witnessed what they have done? It's only after being persecuted, tried in front of all these people would they be listening. And this is the perfect opportunity to present the gospel. God opens the doors for you. God will provide this opportunity. And in verse 10, Peter, with such boldness, he says, It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead that this man stands before you healed. Oh, I can just imagine the goosebumps everyone's feeling in that room. And he goes further. He starts to quote Psalms 118 verse 22, which is one of the favorite texts in the early church. He says that Jesus was the stone that you guys, that the builders rejected, which now in fact has become the cornerstone. He was referring to the fact that Jesus was like a stone that a builder would throw away because they didn't deem it to be good or fit for use for building a building. However, Jesus turned out to be the very cornerstone that is the very foundation in which we can be saved. And he continues to say the next line with immense boldness, and I love this part. Verse 12. Have you got it up? Awesome. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. No other name. No other name but Jesus. There's so much truth in verse 12. And let me tell you, and let me be very honest, we might read this today and be like, that's awesome. Peter, the message you gave back then, so relevant at that time. They really needed to hear that. But can I be real with you? That's the same message that we got to proclaim to this very day, that there is no other name under heaven that which we can be saved but the name of Jesus. That's the same message that we got to know and we got to proclaim to others. And to be honest, this isn't easy. Who likes to offend people? <laughs> no one. No one likes to offend people, right? I don't like to offend people. So when I'm talking about the gospel, naturally, you'd, you'd be like, oh, man, there, there might be another way you can be saved. Maybe we wanted to make it a little bit more acceptable. So we say like, oh, yeah, you can maybe do a little good things. Maybe you go to church and then you can be saved. But it's so clear in verse 12 that there's no other way you can be saved but under the name of Jesus, putting your faith and trust in him. 
And can I be really honest? If you got to know who Jesus was, if you got to know what he died and did on that cross for us, you'd only want him to be the only way you can be saved. You see, in Jesus, there is hope. In Jesus, there is transformation. In Jesus, there is life. We can be saved in Jesus. We can live our whole lives trying to save ourselves. We can try to follow all the rules. We can try to do everything that is good. We can try to find the perfect job, the perfect marriage, the perfect relationship, or anything that deems us to be safe and secure. But the truth is, there is no other name but the name of Jesus in which we can be saved. That's the truth. And that is the bold truth that Peter was proclaiming, that I'm proclaiming today, that we all got to proclaim boldly to to the unbelievers out there. There are three points to summarize. To submit to God, to know that he has a plan and, opportunity, and gives you the opportunities to fulfill his plan. Number two is to fully rely on the Holy Spirit. And the third one is just to present the gospel boldly. See, when I um, listened to all of this, when I read all this, I was a little bit, a little bit discouraged because... They were amazing people. Peter and John, they could speak so boldly and so confidently about the, the gospel. And here I am, and I'm just like, oh, man, I, I, I'm in a jury duty, and all I do is just sleep. I don't really do much of this. And, but but they, they, they were able to show this confidence so much. Yeah, I felt like it was only exclusive for just the disciples of Jesus, or maybe just for Christians that were all in for Christ. Maybe it wasn't just for me. And maybe you hearing this tonight, you might feel the same way that this message wasn't really for me. Maybe it's just for the all-in Christians out there. But can I tell you that this is for everyone. Everyone out there, everyone who calls himself a believer and a true follower of Christ is supposed to be bold to proclaim the gospel. And I was so encouraged with this next verse. This is the last verse, verse 13. When they saw the courage of Peter, this is the Sadducees, When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Let's look at the facts. These people were just unschooled, ordinary men. They had no qualifications. They had no reason to do any of this. I thought they were amazing people, but but the facts are they're unschooled, ordinary men. Yet the most influential and most powerful authorities at that time were taken back by their courage. So much so that they knew that it wasn't because of them. They knew it was because of someone else. They knew because it was their time spent with Jesus that they could do all these things. That they had this immense courage. See church, it's not about how well trained you are. It's not about how much you know. It's not about how special you are or how much authority you carry in or outside of the church. It's your time with Jesus and your time knowing the truth and knowing how it can change people's lives, that's what makes the difference. For those that don't know, I'm a, I just started a new job this year. Uh, I'm seven months in, just like the church. I think I started my first week as Oikos Church started as well. Uh, my official title is a graduate, so I'm like the lowest of the lows. Uh, all the grunt work I have to do. Um, so I, I know what it's like to be like, you know, the lowest authority over there. And as a graduate, we get these opportunities to go to universities to speak about our company, to, to talk to the students about the life difference from student to, to working. And, you know, you always have to pretend, oh, it's amazing. I love it. It's, it's such a, a lovely experience, you know. It's just it's amazing, life-changing. My, all my dreams are coming true. <laughs> and inside, I'm just like, oh, man, am I lying or what? I mean, I'm not... Yeah, it is. Anyways. Um, 
And when we, on my way there, um, I was lucky enough to be paired with someone very important in the company. So they wanted to contrast like a graduate with one of the top dogs in the company. So they paired me with, uh, let, let me get this, so it's me, and then my boss, and then my boss, so this boss, and my boss's boss's boss, and my boss's 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 boss. So four levels up. So this guy is really up there. Like I only met him like in the first induction meeting when he talked to everyone and like all 300 people in the, in the company. And you know, he was, he's up there, he's like unreachable. And they paired me up with him to, to go to UWA to talk to students about this lovely life of work. And um, we go on the way there and he's talking to me about projects. He's talking to me about engineering and all this stuff. And, and I'm just like sitting very like tense, like making sure that every word that comes out of my mouth is perfect. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, that, that project is perfect. Yeah, yeah I, all the numbers, the budget is perfect. Like, yeah, the deadlines. I'm just talking all this like, you know, work lingo and stuff like that. And we get to the university, he gives his talk, and I give my, my short 10-minute like life is amazing talk. And um, while he's continually talking and we're about to finish, I just felt God speak to me, and I was, I was at the back of the th uh, lecture theater, and people were listening to this guy speak. And God was just like, I want you to boldly proclaim the truth to this guy. And I'm like, oh God, that's the wrong time right now. Like, this, this ain't the time to do this. This ain't the time to talk about Jesus in the workplace. But God, if that's what you really want me to do, sorry, I just spat. If that's what you really want me to do, then would you provide the opportunity? I will submit to you, and you provide the opportunity for me to speak, and I'll do that. Because, you know, if he doesn't, then that's okay. I'll just ride home, and I'll be fine. <laughs> so we go in the car. We're walking back to the car, and we start to talk about the weekend. And I'm like, okay, so we're not talking about work anymore. We're starting to talk about our weekend now. That's cool. But that's still not an opportunity. <laughs> you get in the car, and he starts talking about his family. And I'm like, wow, okay. Still not an opportunity. <laughs> and surely enough, he starts to talk about his son. And he's, talk he's talking about how his son is changing so much, how he used to be a dropout. He had no life in him. Uh, he, just, he just regretted like, everything that his son's been doing. But suddenly this year, life's just changed for him. He's, he's got a good, high-paying job. His family is just like his number one priority. He's got a community that he loves him. And he's just changed so much. And I'm like, yeah, that is pretty interesting. But then God goes, now your opportunity is coming up. And this guy, this, my boss's 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 boss, goes, <laughs> goes yeah, um, I think he just started going to church. And I'm like, oh, here we go. <laughs> just started going to church. And I still don't know what to say. So I'm like, oh, so what church does he go to? And then uh, this guy goes, oh, he goes to this church, uh, I think it's Hill, Hillsong. And I'm like, uh, yeah, I think I've heard of Hillsong before. <laughs> yeah, it, it, sounds, it sounds very familiar. I think I know of Hillsong. Yeah, I think, don't they, don't they have a campus like UWA? I think they have a service at, at 9 a.m. and then at, at 5 a.m. or something. And, and eventually, like, God goes to me and says, all right, now I want you to ask him this question. Tell your son to come to Oikos. <laughs> <laughs> That's the next time, maybe. But he goes, would you to ask him if he believes in Jesus. And I'm like, oh, I don't know about this one. This one's a little bit hard. Like, I just want to go back to the office, like, you know, whatever. Because, you know, this guy has so much authority. You know, if I say the wrong thing, he could easily just be like, get out of the car. You're going to get fired. Like, don't come back on Monday. <laughs> like, I was like, oh, I was just so scared of all this. But, you know what? I was like, you know, I'm going to submit to God. And it's not going to be my words that's going to be speaking. It's the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. It's the Holy Spirit. It's not mine. It's not mine. I know I can't do this. So I go, hey. I'm just going to say his name. Anthony, 
do you believe in Jesus Christ? And he goes, yeah, I do. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Job done. <laughs> Job done. Awesome. <laughs> that was easier than I thought. But then he goes, but I also believe in all these other gods. And, and I believe in, in, in Buddha. And I believe like on, on this like, you know, Muhammad and stuff. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> and he starts talking about all these things and how he's like a very spiritual person, but he believes there's so many ways to be saved. And here he starts talking about all the religions that he believes in and he respects. And I'm going, have I boldly presented the truth yet? Have I said that this is the only way you can be saved, that it, only by Jesus can you be saved, that Jesus is the only way you can be saved? <laughs> no, I haven't said that yet. And I really didn't want to say it after what he just said. Because <laughs> he, so, he was just like, oh, I believe you've got to respect all the other religions. I believe you've got to respect this one and this one. You can't just say one is the only way. And I'm like, but I was about to say this is the only way. <laughs> so just as we were about to turn in, I was like, God, I, I don't know how to say this. I, I, you, you provided the opportunity for me to, to ask this question, but I don't believe that it's going anywhere. But I'm just going to trust you. I'll trust you. And just as we were about to turn into the city, and he's talking and talking and talking. He likes to talk a lot. And even just to ask a question, I have to wait for that you know, half a second gap. And I'm like, oh, do you, do you believe in Jesus? And then he goes, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, like, it, you, know, you know when you're talking to one of those people, it's a little bit hard? So this is, I'm just like, oh, I can't, I can't ask again. I really don't know. But, you know, God, I think I've done my part. But then this is what, God is so amazing here. God is so amazing. Just as we buy a turn in, Anthony goes, so Gershom, what do you believe in? What do you believe in? And I knew this, the next 30 seconds, the next words that I would say has to be so like perfect in a way that would, that would just, I don't know, either just, I just needed to boldly present the gospel. That's all I, I needed to do. So the first thing I said was, uh, <laughs> because I don't know what, I wasn't prepared for this. I prepared, that was, that was it. So I said, uh, and then you know what? The Holy Spirit just spoke through me and the Holy Spirit just said, you know, just say that Jesus Christ died for your sins. So I said this, Anthony, I believe that Jesus Christ died for my sins. I believe that I put my faith in him and because of that, my sins are forgiven. Because of that, I have a new life in him. Because of that, I am saved and he's continually changing me each and every day. And it's this is the change that your son is experiencing right now. The change that I'm feeling is the same change that your son is experiencing right now. And if you really got to know who Jesus was, you really got to see that he's changing your life as well. He will change your life as well. And man, I did not regret anything that I said. Did not regret it at all. But I did regret the 30 seconds of silence afterwards. Because I was like, so now what happened? <laughs> what now? <laughs> I just boldly proclaimed the gospel, but now I have to go back to work and we're about to go into the office. And, and he just, you know, he stayed silent and he just started thinking. And we, we parked the car, he gets out of the car and we're about to go into the lift. And in the lift, it closes. And I'm like, I'm going to say anything what? <laughs> and he says, Gertram, I'm so thankful for this time that we've had together. I'm so thankful that we were able to talk and all the things that we got to discuss tonight. No, not tonight, it was daytime. <laughs> Today. And I'm looking forward to the next time that we talk together again. Look, I don't know what happened to Anthony after that. I, mean, I still see him in the, in the big CEO meetings and like walking to them and stuff. But all I know is I boldly presented the gospel to him. And I know that one day God will do something with that. Look, this is a testimony that hasn't been finished yet. Who knows, one day I'll be up here again saying like, Look at my boss's 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 boss is now bringing me to church and stuff. I'm bringing him to church. Like, I don't know. That's a testimony that could happen. But all I'm saying is God will provide the opportunities for you. You submit to him. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. He will provide those opportunities for you. And all you got to do is just boldly 
present the gospel. If I could just invite the, the musicians up. Every Christian is called to be bold. Look, persecution can range from something as extreme to like beheading or something as little as shunning someone, alienating them, unwilling to give respect, a job or any social acceptance. And some of us have actually experienced that already or yet to experience it. But none of these ever stopped anyone in the early church to proclaim the truth. And we too need to carry that same boldness. We too today, Arcos Church, need to carry that same boldness, but not by our own strength. Look, tonight, if I've given the impression that I'm good at this, if I've given the impression that I'm really good at talking about Jesus to, to bosses and people like that, or any way better than anyone here, then can I be the first to say that is not the truth? I know who I am. I'm a shy person. I can't speak in front of people. I'm not good with words. I stutter. I know that's who I am. For those of you that grew up with me know that this is the truth. I'd stand up in announcements, holding the mic and be like, welcome to church. This is good. Like, this is who I am. If I were to ever speak about the gospel, if I were ever to speak in front of people or to boldly proclaim who Jesus is, it's only because the Holy Spirit is working within me. The same Holy Spirit that is working in each and every one of you who have proclaimed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. He is with every one of us. So all we got to do is just proclaim the gospel. Come on, can we do that, church? Can we do that? Because, you know, I believe this is the time. This is the time, church, that we got to go out there. We got to stop leaving the proclamation of the gospel to just pastor decks, the leaders, or any pastors out there. Every one of us is called to do that. I believe all of us should go into the world and proclaim the truth boldly. Because let me tell you, there's a world out there that is hurting. There's a world out there that needs a savior. There's a world out there that needs Jesus. Would, would we be the ones to shine that light? Would we be the ones to boldly share the truth to those that are hurting, to those that are lost, to those that need a savior, that need their lives changed? This is what Jesus says to his followers in John 15, verse 18. If the world hates you, you know that it's hated me before it hated you. The slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they'll also keep yours also. But these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they don't know the one who sent me. The persecution isn't nice. I don't like it just as much as you do but I know that God is with me and I know God is with you as well. Every, every single step of the way. And I'm so thankful that Jesus says this next part in John 16 verse 33. I have told you these things, all of this I've told you so that in me you may have peace. Because in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Take heart that Jesus Christ has overcome the world. There will be trouble. There's no doubt. We know it. We faced it. We've seen it. There will be trouble. But if we put our faith in Jesus, if we know that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, He is with us every single step of the way through the power of the Holy Spirit, He has overcome the world. This is the person that we're putting our faith in. We're not just putting our faith in just some person that we don't know. We're putting our faith in Jesus. 
Jesus, the only name by which we can be saved. The only name that we can be saved. Look, tonight, if, if you know, you're listening to me and you're here, I want to boldly proclaim the gospel as well. But I can't, I just don't know how to do it. People just say something bad about me and I'm, and I'm done, I'm out there. But if, if, you, if right now you're just, you know, you feel a tug, like God, I just want to be bold to this person about the truth. I just want to be bold in my school or this specific area about the truth. If anyone's feeling that tonight, I really want to pray for you. I really want to pray for you. And you know, it takes an act of boldness to just be bold and go out there. Look, I, I know this is, this is not the usual thing that we do. But if you, tonight, if you're just like, you know what, gosh, I, I don't, gosh, I don't care. I'm just going to give everything to God. I don't care. I'm just going to give everything to God. You know what? I'm going to go back to my school on Monday. I'm going to go back to my workplace. I'm going to go to my family after this and just say, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. I don't care. I'm just going to go out there with truth filled with the Holy Spirit. Then I want you to just with boldness, just come up here. Come on. We're just going to pray together. Come up here. And as we worship Him, we're just going to pray together. We're going to proclaim the truth together. We're just going to love Him more and more. And we're just going to spread that love to every single person out there. So let's worship. And as, as the music goes on, once you come up to the front, we're just going to worship together. We're just going to boldly proclaim the truth. If you feel that tug, that, no, this person, I just need to be bold with them. This place, I just need to be bold with them. Come on. Let's do this together. Let's do this together, Oikos Church. Come on, let's, let's all stand and we'll worship. And if you just feel that tug, just come up here in the front. We're just going to worship together. We're just going to pray for you.